All right, what is up, everybody? Hope everyone out there is doing well, and welcome back to another episode of the Okie Patriot 76 podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in into, into the show. If you're new here, um, you, can, you can listen to the show on, on Apple or any of the platforms, or you can watch it on Spotify or YouTube. Um, and so I usually talk about news or politics, and I usually just do it by myself. But in today's episode, it's going to be a little bit different. I brought on a guest. Um, and he was on about a year and a half ago, and I really was impressed with the episode, and I it was one of my favorite episodes that I did last year, and I wanted to bring him on to help him promote his new album, but also talk about current events. Um, talked about the raid, talked about the uh, IRS thing, how it how his how it's going to affect um, independent artists, how it's going to affect small business owners, and things like that. I talked about um, Dr. Oz. He's from Pennsylvania. Uh, talked about uh, everything under the sun. Just just a bunch of topics, and I kind of um, I kind of went back and forth on topics, and you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the best podcast that I did on my part. It was great on his part because he he, he, um, he was definitely interesting, and he's really informed on everything that's happening. Um, and uh, this dude is a history teacher by day and a country rock star by night. And I know that this music is not for everybody, but for the people out there that uh, enjoy this type of thing, uh, this is for them. So I, I know that music is not everybody's thing, and I respect that. But um, I just want to put everybody uh, up for some good music. And so this is this artist is out there killing it. and. Uh, He's not getting enough recognition, in my opinion. So, um, I will say that I kind of forgot a couple of things that I was going to bring up in the episode. And so, uh, I'm just going to spend a few seconds here talking about uh, one of the things, or a couple of the things. So, the IRS, um, and I didn't even know about this until Cody brought it up, but the IRS is obviously going to be hiring 87,000 new agents. Just to give you that in a perspective of sports, the OU Stadium, the the uh, Gaylord Stadium, whatever it's called, has a capacity of 86,112. So they're going to hire more people than, than that can fit in the OU Stadium. And they can hire that many people for IRS stuff to come crack down on small businesses and make you pay more. And uh, just also a little side note here, the IRS um, recently earlier this year bought um, like $700,000 in firearms and they're the most armed government agency. They own more guns. Like, it's, just, it's just wild, dude. It's just crazy. They can hire, you know, the IRS agents to come collect the moolah for Uncle Sam, but they can't hire um, armed guards for schools. I mean, really. That just goes to show you um, what their priorities are. You know, all they care about is uh, they want to tax you to death, and so they can send it to Ukraine. 
that's really all this is about. It's just, we just want to send more to Ukraine to, and like 70% of what is being spent over there, they don't even know what the fuck happened to it. That's, I mean, that's another conversation for another day, but that should piss everybody off. I don't care who you are. On the left, on the right, whatever. It should piss everybody off. Also, when it comes to Trump's raid, I saw something interesting and I totally forgot about it in the conversation with Cody. Um, True Social on Instagram posted several times the date, August 8th, 2022. They posted like 15 times since June 15th. And they were kind of vague about it. Um, I didn't even, like, I follow True Social on Instagram, but I didn't see it. Um, I just didn't think to look. Um, but somebody on social media, I think on TikTok or something, I saw a video of them bringing that up. And I was like, that's very interesting. Um, and they were very vague about the date, like, save the date. Um, I, and nobody was really for sure if it was going to be the date that he was going to announce his run for 2024 but some are speculating that he knew about this raid because of course april or uh, august 8th is uh, the date that he got raided so um very very interesting if you go back on true social they posted like 15 times over the course of a month save the date save the date something big has happened on this day very very weird very very weird so that kind of makes you think a lot about what's going on makes you think did he know about it but you know i have my problems with trump i really do but i'm willing to put that aside to to kind of come together with everybody else and say this is complete bullshit i put up a post on social media on tiktok the other day basically a analogy of a firefighter passing by a um a burning building, a, a car on fire, a, a pasture that was on fire, another house is on fire, all to go to a, another house that was not on fire and to knock on their door or actually break down their door and say that, hey, you have a candle in your, your kitchen. It's a problem. We need to put it out. Um, and that is kind of the analogy of what, what Trump is. Um, they are passing by you know, the Clintons and the Epsteins and the Bidens, something that is uh, just bleeding, bleeding and all, all, like all this evidence that um, if they were, if they were Republicans, they would have been locked up years ago. But um, since they're part of the system and part of the elite, uh, they are safe. So you just look at what, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell, you know, uh, she got 20 years and there's no list and and then then also their obsession with January 6th they're going after January 6th protesters and you know I've heard of people where the FBI showed up to their house because they posted something on TikTok or Facebook or social media and they were conservative and they showed up at their house so um, very very concerning very very concerning um, that they have their priorities all screwed up. I mean, they went into Melania's closet and was going through her clothes. Like, really? Like, was that necessary? Was that necessary? And so, I don't think Trump... Trump is clean, in my opinion. I, I you know, I, I think, like, he's... 
he's wrong on a couple of things when it comes to the vaccine and stuff like that. And I, I disagree with him on, on that. And, but I mean, I think that you should question him on, on that, but I mean, this dude has been through two impeachments and then this raid and then all those investigations, like you would think if there was anything in the world that, that was like, that was re even remotely to a criminal charge, uh, then they would have it by now. Like they asked this this guy on Newsmax or somewhere. It was uh, this guy was protesting in front of Trump Tower, and um, he was saying that Trump needed to go to jail. And they asked him, "Hey, what um, what criminal charges are there for Trump?" And he couldn't think of any. He walked away. And like that's how it always is. Like when like if you ask somebody on the left, like, um, how was Trump racist? They can't give a answer that makes sense. How is Trump xenophobic? How is Trump homophobic? How is Trump, you know, all those different phobics? Like, how is Trump a criminal? Like, he's just not. Like, like you would think if there was any dirt on Trump, somebody would come out and say, yep, yep, he did this in this state, and he should be prosecuted, but nothing, nothing's come up, so... Uh, that's where I, I kind of, you know, have a lot of respect for Trump, even though I have some issues with him. Um, I do have some respect for him, even after all those investigations. They found nothing in the world. And it's only going to make the right and the MAGA movement stronger. And Chris Cuomo and, and or not, not Chris, Andrew Cuomo and people on the left acknowledges that. And uh, it's only going to make the... Uh, the MAGA train um, stronger. And so, good luck. I mean, I really am rooting for Trump on this one. I think that uh, it's just it's just unfair. It's, it's just unfair. It's bullshit. So, here's the interview with Cody Tyler. Yonder way, back that mountain road. That hidden place we used to go Slip away where no one knows Rolling by the creek just like before Uh, we are live, and um, before we start, I uh, want to uh, tell everybody who you are and where they can find you. And Yeah, so my name is Cody Tyler. I'm from Redding, Pennsylvania, and I am part of the country band Cody Tyler and Gypsy Convoy. Uh, you can find all our stuff at CodyTylerMusic.com. You can follow us on the socials on Instagram and Facebook at Cody Tyler Music. I don't do Twitter, at least not right now, and, uh, you know. Maybe we'll get on TikTok eventually, you know. I'm, I'm always late to the party with that type of stuff. Yeah, there's this guy. Um, I was going to tell you, there's this guy on there that, that has like thirty or 40,000 followers and he's and he used your, one of your songs. I think uh, playing with Firewater, maybe. That's but, awesome. Uh, 
man, the new album is great. Like I said, and I was on your website yesterday or last night, and there, I appreciate you putting the lyrics on on the website because not very many artists. I listen to a lot of music and a lot of the independent artists. I can't find the lyrics anywhere, so I I appreciate that. So yeah, with the with the lyrics on the website, that was actually uh, um, our bass player Kenny Pefley. That was his idea to do that because. I designed the layout for the album. Like we had Zach Easy Nelson. He's he's done a ton of artwork for a lot of other artists. Like he did the front cover, but we didn't have the money and the budget for him to do the entire album. Like Whiskey Myers Torneo, he just did their album cover and all of the artwork to go with it. Like they probably paid him a boatload of money because they have the resources to do that, whereas we don't. So all we could really have was you know, the front cover and then the rest of it was kind of up to me and my wife helped me out with it a little bit. And, you know, the more paper you use, the more it winds up costing down the line. So we did, just didn't have room to put lyrics in the CD or even in the vinyl package. So the bass player said, put it on the website and have a link to it. I was like, okay. So that's what we did. We, we put it on the website and I kind of also had the idea, Cody Jinks has been doing lyrics for all of his songs and uh, including little mini bios for all of his co-writers and stuff too. And I think that's really neat. So yeah, it's he's awesome. kind of an archive of lyrics. And that's kind of my plan is as we do albums, we'll have sort of an archive of each song and lyrics to each one will be available on the website. So if somebody's CD, you know, gets burned or something, you know, or, or they lose it or whatever, you can always find the lyrics somewhere. Yeah, that's awesome. I was going to ask you about the album cover because it's a pretty badass album cover. Pretty awesome. I like. Thank the, you. I mean, it's just. I mean, it fits perfectly with the name. It's well thought out. It's. I mean, it's just awesome in my opinion. So. I I honestly don't know where the idea came from. I mean, the the idea for the cover it, it was my brainchild. Like I thought it up, um, and then I went to Zach Nelson with the idea, and he brought it to life. And he made it look exactly how I saw it in my head. It was incredible. But yeah, I was trying to think, you know, what are we going to call this record? Is it just going to be self-titled? Like, what are we going to do here? And then that line sort of stood out to me from one to the heart. And I was like, that kind of encompasses the theme of the whole album. Okay, well, how can we illustrate that? And yeah, it was, I'm pretty sure it happened in the shower. I get all my good ideas in the shower. <laughs> yeah, that or driving. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Driving is awesome. Over, I've had a pullover several times to write a song because it came to me driving, like lyrics. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> bad at like driving and then putting stuff in my notes. I, I, I'm I'm bad about that, but I need to pull over at least. <laughs> yeah, I don't trust speech to text. I, I have yeah. trust issues with that because a couple times I've been screwed over where it's I do bad. speech to text like oh, this is a great song idea, and I'll be like, duh, 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 and then it doesn't look anything like it, and then I'll go back and look at it later and be like, what the hell was I thinking? This sounds like a shit idea for a song. Oh, yeah, that's right, speech to text. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, like, after <laughs> after the interview um, last year that I did with you, uh, I put some stuff in my notes, and then I went back, like, Monday to look at it, and I was like, I have no idea what <laughs> what I was thinking. I was like... But I might put like question marks, like TV show question mark. I, was, I don't know. But like I had like in there like, are you going TikTok and all that kind of stuff, and and you, and you went over that. But um, man, there's 
there's some there's some interesting interesting content on there. I mean, like you said, you're not on there, but there's some there's some weird stuff on there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people people send me TikToks all the time through Snapchat or through uh, Instagram message or text message and stuff, and I'm able to look at them. So I do, but I mean, I, I haven't joined the platform because I, I'm addicted enough as it is to Instagram Reels. That yeah. I'm afraid if I do download TikTok, I'm going to spend more damn time on my phone than I already do, and I don't need that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, part, that's part of the fear with it, and also it's, I understand. The, it's the learning curve too, which I'm sure it's easy to use, but just um, throw my need for everything to be perfect when i first start out with it i need to throw that mentality away and just be like, lose the freaking ego and make a tiktok already <laughs> yeah. yeah um i just uh um i googled your uh, uh your name last night and it says you're a you're a hip-hop artist i don't know if you know that <laughs> yeah so there's there's a there's another cody tyler who is um a hip-hop artist and i guess google like meshes us together to be the same person but i mean he looks very different than me <laughs> so it, it's not the same guy but no my own godfather listened to the rap songs by the rap cody tyler he thought it was me really and i was like dude that's a totally different guy have you watched any of his videos he's black and i'm not black it's not even the same guy he goes oh i thought you were just experimenting you know with your sound and just playing whatever yeah i was like no man <laughs> that's not how it uh, no <laughs> i was like i i will be perfectly fine to experiment with my sound but i'm not going full hip-hop that's for sure <laughs> there is a song i found on youtube um is that is that your song with uh just chris yes so that is actually me um that's that's chris's song he asked me to be a part of it and i was like yeah sure whatever so i we recorded something real quick like a quick verse and then I, I sent it back to him it's not really my style of things but um when people ask me to collaborate i tend to be like um i look up to willie nelson a lot and willie is also one of those guys that he won't say no to anybody if you ask him to collaborate he will so that's kind of what i am i'm doing I, I actually have another collaboration coming up at the end of the month that I'm going to record with some country artists from Pennsylvania that we're awesome. going to do. And uh, that's about all I can say at this point, because I'm not the main guy on this, the, uh, the the main guy on it. His name is Sam Schmidt Huber. He's also from the area. So we're, we're going to cover a very iconic song, me, him, and two other people. So that makes a total of four. So I don't know, you kind of put two and two together as to what song it's going to be. All right. Yeah, um, when I first heard that song, that uh, I think it's called Seventeen, it popped up on yeah. my uh, on my New Music Friday on Spotify, and I was like, "Is this is this Cody?" And I I can't tell because it was it was way different than your other stuff. I was like, "Is this really him?" But because sometimes artists like they get um, like uh, they have the same name, and then they have like I think Justin Moore had like some electronic artist release under his thing. And by the yeah. by the end of the day it was gone. Like but by the end of that Friday or whatever it was gone. But yeah. uh man, I um I saw your uh you're doing a pre show for Chris Stapleton um in a couple weeks. Yeah, so it's gonna be a little pre party. That's uh it, it's a little venue. It's not a little venue, it's it's a big venue. 
Um, but I'm going to be out on the patio. We're going to be just doing like a pre-show. He's playing down the road in Hershey. And uh, this is like probably the best restaurant and brewery and music venue in Hershey outside of like the major stadium and arena where they have big names. Um, they have regional and national acts come through the Englewood. Uh, it's probably my favorite place to play around home. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be like a little pre-party. We'll be out there from noon to three. It's just an acoustic thing. So it's just me doing, you know, a mix of covers and original songs. And uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to target, you know, Chris's fans and get them to come out and maybe discover a local guy that, you know, that they'll like in addition. And then it's over by three o'clock. So they still get plenty of time to go to the parking lot at uh, Hershey Stadium and get all jammed up and stuff. So Awesome. And that's on the 27th. If people live, if, 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 if people listen to this and they live in that area, that's on the 27th, right? Yeah. August 27th. That is okay. three days before my 28th birthday. So awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's one on the, on the 13th I saw in Maryland. Yes. Hagerstown. So we're going to be playing Zach Greenlee's trackside. Um, it's right next to Hagerstown Speedway, which is where, the American trucker convoy wound up parking. I saw that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be right next to that. So the, the truckers are gone now and they're just having races. Um, so the, the, the target market there is the race crowd because they like to come over to the bars after the races are done on a Saturday night. So we're hoping to uh, pull a decent crowd there and, and help build our fan base up in Maryland a little bit more. Cool. 
there'll be no time to cry Stare your demons down and kiss your ass So uh, you're in Pennsylvania. How do you feel about uh, uh, Dr. Oz? So <laughs> I don't know what Trump was thinking with that endorsement there. I mean, I can I can guess, you know, why he chose to endorse him. I'm sure that with them both being in television, that they've crossed paths before in the past. My personal pick, and, and usually I don't like to mix politics and music, but with this podcast, it's a little bit different. Um Personally, my vote was for Kathy Barnett, and that's who I wound up going for. Sean Hannity absolutely destroyed her, and I can tell you why he did it. I mean, I don't know how much you watch Fox. I don't really mess with Fox. Very um, rarely. I mean, I, I mean, I see some clips on YouTube and stuff like that, but... So, so Hannity drugged Kathy Barnett's name through the mud. The, the Oz I did all- see that, yeah dirty, like out of context attacks on Kathy. Like she shared something and it was like hashtag Black Lives Matter and 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 use those hashtags, but she was using them facetiously. She was sharing a video of a of a protest that had gone awry and you know hashtagged it Black Lives Matter because she wanted to attach it and say, look, you know, th- these are not peaceful protests. And he tried to use that against her and saying, you know, she sympathized with BLM. I mean, Kathy Barnett, for those that don't know, she's she's a black female, but she's a conservative. She's a damn good one. She worked on Trump's campaign. She was on his team in 2020. And I honestly thought that if anybody was going to beat John Fetterman, it would easily be her. Um, And the fact that Dr. Oz is actually from New Jersey and only just bought a residence in Pennsylvania, like right before he announced he was running for Senate. That doesn't look good. And Fetterman is using that as And here we are on our side being like, we have to pretend it doesn't bother us when it really does. But at the end of the day, I would rather have an alien from Mars representing Pennsylvania than John Fetterman. That guy, he was the former. It's pretty strange. He looks like Uncle fucking Fester. <laughs> Just be honest. He looks like Uncle Fester or, or, or Andre the Giant. And he's very extreme. The guy's a full-on socialist, and, and that just doesn't jive with me. Um, I have a very libertarian instinct, and that guy is just no good. Uh, if, if there was a prominent third-party candidate running for the Senate seat, I would... And they were, you know, maybe running as a libertarian or something. I would vote for them over Fetterman or Oz, but it's too important of a seat. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really not happy about having to vote for Oz. I just hope that he's not going to flip because I can see Oz flipping 
and being the most hated GOP senator by fellow Republicans. And, and I can see him being as bad or worse than Mitt Romney, I think. Yeah, I mean, I can, it's definitely a possibility. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't it, really it, understand why Trump endorsed him, especially, you know, uh, Kathy Barnett. Obviously, I'm not from there, but I, um, if I lived there, I'd probably vote for Kathy. She seems like a really good pick, especially with her pro-life stance. The video that she put out that went ultra-viral off her class social media about what six months ago, whenever it was. Um, pretty powerful story, but I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, she was she was the product of of rape, and she's like the the ultimate antithesis to that to that uh, pro-choice argument that, oh, if somebody's raped, they should just automatically get an abortion. Well, sometimes rape victims actually still want to carry the baby. And, and that, you know, Kathy was almost, her mother almost aborted her and chose not to. And, and thank God she chose not to. I'm not saying that's supposed to be the for everybody. I mean, if you're raped, I mean, I, I'm a pro-life person, but when it comes to rape, I mean, I, I don't really think I should personally get in the way of someone's decision with that. Um, I think there are plenty of steps that you can take before you're actually pregnant from a rape. Like, like they include plan B in a lot of rape kits. Like usually it doesn't come to that, but, but if someone's raped and they don't tell somebody about it, then yeah, it's possible that it's very possible that they can be pregnant from that. And I, I don't want to touch too much on the abortion thing because it's so touchy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the rape exception is one that, you know, I just, I'm going to shut up on that. Um, but yeah, Kathy is, is the antithesis to sort of that argument. And she's a, a testament that just because somebody's raped and they don't choose to have an abortion, it doesn't mean their kids are going to have a terrible life because Kathy's a wonderful human being. Um, but yeah, I would have much rather her over Oz, but I'm going to clothespin vote for Oz and hope that he doesn't backstab us <laughs> if he wins, which I, for some reason, Fetterman, his appearance because he's so different, he's kind of this cult of personality, and it it worries me because I think he's going to pull a lot of independents to vote for him. And even if there is a red wave, I'm still afraid he may win here. I don't know. It's not easy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff about Oz that's very fishy. The fact that he's he lives in uh, North or not North uh, uh, New Jersey. And yeah. he's from there, so. Yeah, there's that, and then there's the governor's race as well. You, you've got Josh Shapiro and Doug Mastriano. You know, everybody says Doug Mastriano is extreme. He's not. He's just a. He's a good dude. Um, I've seen him in rallies and stuff already. I've, I've gone to uh, events of his. He's. I'm not a very religious person, and sometimes he gets very uber religious and it can be off-putting sometimes mm -hmm. and sometimes that that evangelical far right puts off a lot of people that do lean to the right but they don't want to hear that sort of stuff and i think that evangelical right is gonna slowly go away at least that's kind of the way that it's trending um and it's not that they put me off because I don't want to hear them talk about religion. It's just, I know that it's not good for the brand as a whole of the GOP. And it, it then they label all of our candidates that way, even if they're not religious like that. Yeah. But I mean, I, I have hope for Doug. 
I really hope that he winds up getting it because Josh Shapiro, who's the Democrat running, he's the current attorney general. So everything that happened during COVID, all of the regulations and, and mandates that were put into place by Tom Wolf and Rachel Levine, who's now in the Biden administration, um, he stood stood by and let it happen. He was the top lawyer and he, he is the top lawyer in the state and he allowed it all to happen. And what gets me is, you know, he, he's on his Facebook page saying, I will stand up for mom and pop businesses and small businesses. And it's like, oh, really? Didn't two years ago you allowed all of them to be closed, some of them forever, while you allowed Walmart to remain open and Amazon to make deliveries and all the giant grocery store chains to remain open too. Wasn't that you? Like, you don't get to talk about supporting small business anymore when you did what you did during COVID. I don't care. And and if you look at the flip side, what was Doug Mastriano doing? He was holding rallies in Harrisburg because he, he's a state senator. Um, he was holding rallies in Harrisburg from the get-go saying, this is unconstitutional. We are not supposed to be doing this. Our governor is turning into a tyrant. So Doug has been in the streets fighting with us since the get go. And that's why he's getting my vote. Um, and obviously, you know, I, running a band, I'm a small business, but I also need to show support for the businesses that make my business possible. Yeah. Bars, entertainment venues, et cetera. So when they were all getting shut down, we were out of work, you know, and it, it, so we need to support those small businesses. And that's why, you know, I kind of thought it was ironic that a lot of those bigger bands out there looking at Jason Isbell and all the other like left leaning artists like there's your governors and your, you know, politicians that you stumped for and they're shutting down your livelihood right now. How do you feel about that? And if I could have a conversation with Jason Isbell, I would love to ask him, you know, you put out that Georgia Blue album in tribute to Georgia after they voted for Biden. Now that gas is four or five dollars a gallon and you have to fill your tour bus to go on tour. How do you feel about that vote, buddy? <laughs> That's I would love to have that conversation with him. Yeah. I mean, he's a little bit crazy. I mean, I love his music, but for people yeah. like him, he's a little bit crazy. I, I love his music, too. And, and I have a copy of Georgia Blue on my shelf. You know, <laughs> some of that money that I paid for that went to some of his leftist causes. But I love the music a lot. But. Will I go buy a ticket to see him in concert? It's going to be a little while before that happens. No, I never spent the dime on a Gibson guitar. So this telly just seems to sing my Oh, man.
if you if you play their their stuff uh like like do it as a cover yeah like i, I mean i know like if you release it on digital stores you have to pay royalties but if you play it live do you have to pay playing live no you don't have to pay anything if if we were to record a cover though um i've never really gone down that road but from what i understand we would not have to pay them to cover it but we would credit them and some of the and a portion of the streaming royalties, yeah. like let's say I wanted to go and cover um, if we were vampires by Jason Isbell, and I put that out there, he would get a cut of those streaming royalties. Yeah, and that's why when when Morgan Wallen cut Cover Me Up, you know he was making millions off those streaming royalties. Yeah, I find it when, very weird that he was like he was criticizing him at the same time he was making probably a million dollars if not more off of that just one song. Yeah, I mean minimum. Yeah, and and when Morgan had that that whole N word thing and stuff, you know, that was just another reason for me to not like the guy because I, I think he puts out shit music and you know his biggest hit is is an Isbel song and you know I will champion Isbel's writing abilities yeah. until the day. As much as I don't like his politics, the guy's a hell of a songwriter. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, great. And and when when the whole thing happened with Morgan Wallen, I remember there was a story that Jason said he's like. Any streaming royalties that are coming in from 
Morgan's song. He's like, I'm, I'm donating to, it was some, some cause. I think it was probably black lives matter or NAACP or something like that. He was donating it. Yeah. Um, to those causes. And I was like, eh, you know what, you know, like maybe I don't agree with what they say, but I mean, the guy standing by his principles, I have to respect that. Like, okay. Yeah. I, mean, I can't hate the guy uh, too much. Yeah. Um, but he does act like a dick on Twitter. Yeah. I kind of had to mute him on Twitter. I mean, I do follow him, but I, I don't, I don't get his stuff that much anymore. So. <laughs> He's one of those guys where it's like you follow for the music and you just ignore the, dick tweets <laughs> and that's what i would hope for some of my fans like i'm sure i have fans on the left side of the aisle and in, in fact I, I know that i do and you know i try to respect them by not by not putting my politics out on social media overtly that's why i have snapchat i i use that and i just keep close friends on there and when i want to vent or shit post or something i put it on snapchat and that's what i do um i don't know if anybody even looks at it or if they just quick tap past it or what I, I don't know it doesn't matter to me i just when i need an outlet to vent my political frustrations i just i take it to snapchat or once in a while i'll do it on my personal facebook page but for the most part you know i keep all of that stuff off, off of the band pages and i kind of like it that way i mean to be honest with you i don't mm -hmm. know about you but i kind of am getting cringed out about like you know john rich and like jason isbell for their constant appearances on Fox News. I mean, yeah. not so much about Jason, uh, uh, Jason Aldean, but John Rich is like always on Fox News. Or he's always, yeah. yeah. John's kind of corny about it. It's, it's, a, it's a little contrived, you know, like yeah. he's, he's on, I, he, I, I've seen him on Outnumbered already and maybe on The Five and stuff. Yeah, I haven't even listened to his song, but I know he's kind of following the, the Aaron Lewis business model by... Yeah, right. You know, and conservative. I mean, it's a song. great. It's a great model. I mean, I mean, Aaron Lewis is great, but his his last single that he put out, uh, "Progress," is just kind of it's kind of cringe a little bit. <laughs> a little, a little contrived, like almost forced. You mean like? Yeah, he's just like virtue signaling to the right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I won't write songs like that like if it sounds contrived like i won't even allow my brain to go to that place like my, my drummer's very conservative i see he, that um i saw the the uh the bass drum head or whatever at uh, the spirit of 76 yeah i saw that that's that, awesome that was his idea and then i put that i put it together but he told me he's like you got to find that and then put our logo on it and we'll put it on the on the drum head and i was like yeah okay because that's not real real political it's just you know history and and yeah i'm a history teacher by trade so i was like yeah, whatever what do you want whatever you want to do so he decided to do that but yeah he's 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 pretty conservative and uh where was i going with that so he'll, he'll call me up with ideas for songs now and then that are you know more political in nature and i'll just be like yeah yeah okay that's cool but sometimes it sounds a little contrived and and i won't uh I won't mess with that, you know. And we, we kind of leave well enough alone when it comes to that. Sorry, I'm just plugging my phone in here so it doesn't die on me. And then uh, my keyboard player is very conservative, too. He's kind of grown disillusioned with the party over the last few years or so. Um, and then my bass player is independent but leans left. But, I mean, we all, we all get along. And uh, 
we know that when we're all together, we don't usually bring up politics too in depth or whatever. But uh, yeah, it all works out pretty well. But I mean, I mean, as far as political songs go, like if there's one that comes to me that it's really good and it's not overtly like in your face, but it still kind of gets its point across symbolically. I would love to write a song like that, but I haven't had that inspiration or that desire to, because I'm trying to, with these next couple albums, there's going to be a theme to each one. And if I were to write a political song, it wouldn't even fit into that. Like if I were to write something political, it would either have to go out as a single or it would be years until you hear it. And by then it would probably be irrelevant (laughs) with the political climate. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you like about this album, uh, I Say Your Demons Down. Um, so a lot of those songs I know are a couple years old, but is one of those songs like newer or like, is this a range of like, were they written like uh, years ago, like uh, two years ago or. So there, there's a little bit of everything. One, um, the oldest song on there is probably playing with Firewater. That was off of our first acoustic EP that we did. And when I listen to that acoustic EP, I'm not really proud of what's on there because those songs were like brand new then. That was late 2017 when I was writing those. Um, so yeah, Playing With Firewater. Um, trying to think of some more. Granddad's Vinyl, Drop That Needle. That one was also pretty old. Those were all from like 2017. Um, Playing With Firewater title came to me before anything else. So that title, that was in my head since probably... 2014 but i hadn't acted on it it was just you know written on a sticky note put in a drawer in a desk somewhere and eventually i wrote the song in in like late 2016 early 2017 and then we recorded it for the ep and then when the band formed and got together we changed a couple things so it sounds a lot different on stare your demons down than it does off of the the ep and the newest song on there is probably Fate I Can't Outrun. That one was written like 2019, I would say. And I've written a lot more since then. And we've got just about what we need to, to do the second album right now. And I've got the third album already halfway done. So there's a lot in the tank. <laughs> awesome. And uh, so um, as far as like the songwriting process goes, like how long does it usually take? I mean, I know you said that was on a sticky note, but is there is there one song on there that just came to you all of a sudden? You just wrote it and then it was out. Fate I Can't Outrun was pretty quick. Um, that one came to me. I was at work teaching, and it was a prep period. And I was sitting at my desk and it was a little bit before the summer of 2019 and we were getting ready to go out on a big big tour, like solo acoustic tour. But I mean, we were going pretty far away and I was just thinking about, oh, you know, life on the road and this and that. So I wrote it and it only took me, I think I broke for lunch. So altogether, it was probably about an hour's time from the beginning of the idea to the finish and then a couple months later, I got stuck at a train crossing and I rewrote the first verse. So if you go on my YouTube channel and you find Fate I Can't Outrun, where it's just me playing in a desert somewhere, the mm-hmm. first verse is different from what's on the album. So you'll hear the difference. Um, but once I rewrote that first verse, the whole story kind of flowed better and just kind of came together that way. So that was a quick song, but at the same time, it did also kind of take a couple months until it was totally done. And then once I had it written myself, then I took it to the band and was like, okay, I think I'm ready. 
for you guys to add your parts to this. So it is a long process most of the time. Um, we the the last new song that we have like that's finished and like pretty much ready to record is called Down the Creek, and that one we did in January. That was about a two week process from the initial writing to when it was finished, but that won't be coming until the third album. So I'm all over the place right now. <laughs> I've got a little bit of writing to do for the second album, but it's it's almost ready uh, to go and record. We're getting there with it. My, my goal is to record it like early next year. And we want to do the process a little bit differently so that the recording doesn't take as long as this album did. Because this album with COVID getting thrown in there and everything mm-hmm. took like two years from start to finish. It was way, way, way too long. So this next one, we're go- it's going to be more of a live feel. Mm-hmm. where we're it's going to sound like we're all in the room at once playing the song doing it live um because it'll save us time and it'll save us money and we'll be able to do more cool stuff with it this train rolls on through the black of night
Raised on God and granddad's gun Now I ride west into the sun To escape a fate I can't outrun So did you record it in, in uh, Pennsylvania? Um, I saw like, you, that you recorded it in Pennsylvania and you sent it off to Nashville. Is that, is that for the mastering? Yeah. yeah, that's right. So yeah, we recorded it in Pennsylvania at four different locations in PA over about two years. So the first session we had was at Think Loud Studios in New York, Pennsylvania. So that's the studio that's owned by, do you remember the band Live from the 90s? They did uh, Lightning Crashes um, and I Alone. No, but if I probably look them up, I'll probably know. But yeah, it, it doesn't I sound familiar right now. Yeah, if you, if you look up Lightning Crashes by Live, that's probably their biggest hit. Um, so yeah, we, we had a day of recording there and we got a good chunk of the album done there. And that was like, two or three weeks before the COVID lockdowns. So once that happened, there was also some crazy stuff going on with that studio that I'm not going to divulge, but yeah. So basically what happened was they shut it down to outside bands. And it was like only live and friends, direct friends of live are going to be able to record here. And we were like, okay, so I guess we're out. So we had another day scheduled. They refunded us the money. We took it and went to the studio of the guy who was engineering us at Think Loud. He had a home studio. So we went to his home studio and cut the horns for one of the heart at that studio. And then he moved to another place across town. <laughs> so we had to wait for him to like, build his new studio. Because <laughs> we wanted to see the project through start to finish with one guy. Because we knew if we switched guys, things would be inconsistent. It wouldn't sound right. So we waited until he was done, and then we went to his new studio in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we pretty much cut the rest of it there, but we still needed a couple of tracks that we needed drums for, and his studio wasn't set up to record drums, so we wound up going to an outside studio in Mechanicsburg, and we laid down like four songs there with bass and drums, and a little bit of keys and some of the rhythm guitar. But in the, 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 the main studio where we actually recorded it was this guy's place in Lancaster. Um, that's where I did all the guitar work, all the vocal work, all the leads and the slide guitar that I was doing, the pedal steel, harmonica, a lot of that was recorded there. But yeah, it was a lot of hours and it was a, it was a long process. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds really good, man. And I, I don't say that to a lot of people. Uh, there's there's a lot of artists out there that their music sucks, and you're not one of them. So I'm not just saying that to kiss your ass. I'm just saying it's I mean it's really good music. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's nice to hear it from somebody from states away because I mean my wife tells me, you know, on a weekly basis, hey, this album's really good, or, or her parents or my parents, and it's like, yeah, you have to say that. That like, yeah, I'm I'm sure you really do mean it, but. At the same time, you've been hearing these songs at hundreds of shows that I've played because they all try to come out every chance they get. And it's like, you've been hearing these songs for years, so of course you're going to think it sounds good. 
So I, I need on it when unbiased ears tell me that that means something. So I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what about the song Cut the Bull? Um, I, I really do appreciate the fact that you called out uh, Luke Bryan in that. <laughs> <laughs> That's based on a true story, man. I, I was in downtown Nashville and I looked up at this sign and it said Luke Bryan. I was like, oh, cool. You know, I guess these country stars are getting their own bars down here now. All right. And on the marquee, it said Luke Bryan, wine and sushi. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was like, wine and, and, and I used to say on stage, wine's not country, but that's not true. Because I've played plenty of wineries in the country with, you know, the most podunk people you could ever want to meet. So wine can be country, but when it's wine in the city, like in Nashville, that's not very country. And sushi, damn sure ain't country. I mean, even Justin Moore has called out sushi for not being country already in that song, um, uh, Beta, I hate it. I mean, maybe I'm I'm trying the wrong sushi, but every yeah. time I've had it, I'm like, ah, this is horrible, dude. I tried it one time when I was at the beach, and it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't like it didn't give me the experience that everybody says it does, where it's like, oh my god, I need to come back here tomorrow and get more. Yeah. So I only time, and I never go, man. You know, I could really go for some sushi. Like, I, that's just not me. And also, I'm in Oklahoma, so, I mean, I don't know how many of the best uh, sushi places there is here. Maybe if you go on the coast, probably is, but. Uh... Yeah, you'd have to go to uh, one of the crappy beaches in Texas and, you know. Probably, yeah. Point, like, is, is the sushi there any more reputable than in Iowa, <laughs> you know, because it's a Texas beach. Yeah. They just don't do sushi there in general, so. <laughs> I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, some of the best Chinese food I've ever had is 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 from a town over, and they're they're like they're from China and don't even speak English hardly. <laughs> well, that's how you know you're gonna you know it's authentic then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I I saw the the sushi thing and and wine. I was like, it's not very country. And on on top of that, you know, you've got cover bands doing Bruno Mars and Britney Spears covers, like. And I was like, what is this town turning into? Like, this is Tootsie's for crying out loud. This is where Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings used to come and hang out on their breaks between sets at the Ryman, which was just out the back door. And here's a, a, a cover band playing Uptown Funk. Get out of here. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing?
There's this guy, um, there's this guy on TikTok and his whole account is like trolling hardcore, like uh, country fans. And he does this thing where he points up in the air and over here is like real country and over here is fake country. And he plays like Waylon and he points to fake country and he, and he plays like Sam Hunt and he points to real country. And he has like all these videos and people like are, but if you look at his account, he's like, I'm just trolling, dude. But he has like, a, I don't know, he has like 100,000 followers on there, so it must be doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's... I was going to say, he better be joking with people. <laughs> Colin Way. <laughs> Maybe I'll get on TikTok. <laughs> Speaking of Sam Hunt, did you see um, a couple weeks ago he got he got a ban from Canada? Is there is there any um, uh, restrictions where you're at? Or just is everything's wide open? I, I did see he was banned from Canada. And at first they weren't saying why, but there's people speculating it's his vaccination status. So, I mean, hey, if he's, you know, exercising his medical freedom, you know, good on him. His music still sucks, but yeah, good on him if he's standing by his principles. That's cool. But uh, yeah, yeah Pennsylvania, there, there's no restrictions. We are wide open right now. If, if we see somebody wearing a mask in public, I kind of have to do a double take, like, wait, those people still exist yet? Like, there's still people masking. Yeah, it's crazy. And, I, mean, I, and I, I try not to pass judgment because you never know. I mean, they could have some kind of a condition and it's not even them protecting yeah. themselves from COVID. Maybe they're hyper allergic to, to something or they have an autoimmune disorder. But it's hard not to think, wow, they're still actually COVID scared after this long? Like, and, 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 you know, my wife tries to tell me, you know, don't pass judgment. They they might, it might not be a COVID thing. It might be a, an immune disorder or something. And I think to myself, how often did I see that before COVID? I didn't. So yeah. most I've never likely, seen, I've never scared, seen people wearing it, a mask in their car or, uh, or putting Lysol on their groceries when they got home. <laughs> my mom did that for the first like year. Well, I, I don't blame her yeah. for doing it the first year because nobody knew what the hell to yeah. believe. I mean, I, I won't lie. I was wearing gloves to go to the grocery store in... I was eight, too, yeah. You know? I was too. I mean, I mean, I had, I had gloves on, I had a mask, and I figured out like maybe six months into it, I was like, ah, I don't know if this is, this is as bad as they're saying it is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, before they started mandating stuff, people were doing it, and there were people on Facebook and stuff saying, you know, do it to be kind. You don't know someone has an elderly relative at home. It's killing the elderly more commonly. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna mask up and and you know whatever. Then like May came along when they started mandating it, and naturally I was like, nope, 
double barrel middle finger. I'm, I'm not abiding by your damn mandates. Yeah. Like this bull crap, man. And yeah. And now there's the whole thing with the jab. And I just think it's funny. Like these people I know that are jabbed up, they've had COVID more than I've had COVID. I, I had COVID once to my knowledge and I'm still unjabbed at this point. Yeah. Have you missed out on uh, any shows because of your vac status or does it matter? Because I know like in New York, the artists can play, but the people in the audience have to get vaxxed. And I think that's the I, stupidest thing in the world. It is dumb. Um, I have not missed out on playing any shows because of my vac status, but I have missed out on attending shows. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I, I tried to go see a bluegrass show in Lancaster. Uh, I think it was earlier this year, like like late winter, and the venue had a had a policy that you had to be vaxxed again, and it was not the city of Lancaster; it was just the venue. And yeah, we showed up, and they told us that, and it was like, oh, oh well, see ya, <laughs> and we just walked out. And that's, I and that's the I dumbest thing. I, I wasn't even mad because I mean. I've seen plenty of bluegrass shows, but I mean, I wanted to see this one, but I didn't really know the band that well, so it was okay. But I walked away from it, and my wife and I are both equally against, you know, mandating anybody to take anything. And we said, you know, we're we're, we're glad that they have that policy because now we know not to support them, and that's just that. Yeah, I mean, People are getting kind of funny. Like I even still see posts from people like this one guy I saw last night was on Twitter somewhere and he had to wear a mask. This was in California. He had to wear a mask to get into the, like the YMCA or whatever it was. And he could take off the mask once he got in the pool, but he had to wear the mask to sign in. It was just, I don't know. That to me just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. There, there's no, there's no consistency between, they claim that it's backed by science, but there's no consistency there with it. Yeah. Well, this this new uh, uh, this new IRS stuff is that um, is that going to affect you? I mean, it probably. Uh, I mean, it's going to affect everybody if they're hiring ninety thousand IRS agents. Yeah. I mean, I want to be careful and measured about what I say as far as the music business goes, but just to put it into perspective. Musicians already have a lot of different people in their pockets. Yeah. The ones who are smart about how they conduct their business. I mean, there, there's different classes of musicians. There's guys like me that, you know, for right now, the money that we make, sometimes it's cash under the table. Sometimes it's a check under the table. And sometimes it's a check and there's a paper trail and we have to fill out tax forms and we report that income and, and we do the right thing there. And so Cody Tyler Music is not an LLC at this point. So we can't, we don't have any of those benefits, I guess, of being an LLC at the moment. That's the plan down the line is to eventually become an LLC, but they tell you until you're making six figures a year, you shouldn't really even bother with establishing an LLC or anything or a corporation. Even. But we, I don't foresee us going that route where we become Cody Tyler Incorporated or something. That would be weird. Um, but uh, as far as the tax thing goes, you know, you're allowed to make 
no more than $600 a year from different employers, which our employers are the venues, or else you're, you're open to taxes. So those venues, there's a lot of them that take the risk and they don't get tax forms from us and they just pay us and it is what it is. And then there are the venues that give us the forms and we, we pay and we claim and all that. But it all goes under my name usually as an individual, not even as a sole proprietor. Like I don't even do the sole proprietorship or anything. So it goes under my name. We figure out, you know, how much I owe for the year on taxes based on the shows that we played. And then we divide it by the four guys in the band, because when I pay the guys, the pay is split equally four ways. And when the tax time comes, we should be paying in equally four ways. Now this year, what we did was I just paid it all because I had enough um, write-offs from mileage and studio time and other sort of things like that, that we could write off that I didn't wind up owing very much. So I didn't ask them for any money. I was just, I just kind of let it go this year, but next year we're probably gonna have to be a little bit more vigilant in how we keep our books and stuff and all that. Um, because music is not my primary job, but if music was my primary job and it is my goal to be, I would be very pissed about what's going on right now. I mean, you got to put it yeah. into perspective. 87,000 new IRS agents. They had a picture of, I think it was um, the Oklahoma Sooner Stadium or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, they hold, I saw that. like, 1,000 or something. And it's like, this stadium would not be enough to hold the new IRS agents that are coming. And, and you got to think, 86,000, that's a big football stadium. That's bigger than any football stadium in the NFL, I think. Cowboys Stadium might be close to it. Maybe. Um, but most NFL stadiums are in the... 40 to 70,000 people range. I'm an Eagles fan, so I know that the link holds like 67 or 69,000 people or something. That's a lot of friggin' IRS agents. And the White House press secretary, when they asked her, you know, who's going to get audited, she said that nobody making less than $400,000 a year is going to get audited. I think that's going to be the biggest lie since if you like your health care plan, you can keep it. <laughs> or if you like your health care provider, you can keep it. Or if you like your doctor or whatever. I think yeah. that's going to be a huge lie. Yeah, they're not because... going to go after Jeff Bezos. They're going to go after people, you know, like you or people who have a small business, people who, uh, you know, have cash as their income. And that's all they want is that, I mean, they're even going after like Bitcoin. I'm not really into Bitcoin, but they're going after that as well. And I think that that's just, that's just, you know, it's wrong. I mean, I, Bitcoin, I, mean, I think you should have the freedom to have some kind of unregulated, whatever, you know? Yeah. They're going to go after everything. I mean, with all those people and it's, it's going to hurt independent musicians that are touring. It's going to hurt them a lot because God forbid somebody shows up to the merch table, you know, like a, a fan that's a little more well-to-do and has more money to spend on merch. If you buy like limited edition merch items from certain independent musicians, you can spend $600 in one place. Oh, yeah. With one band in one night. Are, do you mean to tell me now that the federal government is going to be dipping into that and, and want to take a cut of that when all those guys were trying to do was sell merch? Just because I'll just tell you like it is when you buy merch at a, at a small artist show, especially somebody like me who's a nobody. 
you're putting gas directly into their tank by doing that. Um, I went to a show last night. It was part of a, a giant festival in, in Bethlehem, PA, that they do every year. It's just They just call it Music Fest. And I went to see a band. They were from Florida. I've been a fan of them for years. J.J. Gray and Mofro. And it was a free show, so I didn't pay a dime to get in. I didn't have to pay to park. And I said to my wife at the end of the show, I said, let's go to the merch booth quick before we leave. She's like, why do you always have to buy merch? And I was like, because I'm supporting the band and we didn't pay for tickets tonight. I'm sure the band got a flat rate from, from the music fest people, but still they came all the way here from Florida. We didn't pay anything. The least I can do is give them $40 for, for a vinyl record or something. Yeah. And that's what I, I bought a vinyl record. It was 40 bucks. And I was happy to pay that because I turned to her and I said, there, we just basically saw a nice concert for 20 bucks a piece. And that's how we paid for it. Yeah. And that them out. But if the IRS wants to dip their grubby little hands into it to fund big, fat, bloated Uncle Sam, that just, to me, that that burns me up. Ukraine? And, yeah, to pay for sending arms to Ukraine after they restrict them all here. Yeah, it, yeah don't even get me started on the Ukraine thing. That, yeah. But yeah, for the IRS thing, I mean, musicians are hurting enough as it is because they're spending more money on gas to gas up their vans and buses. That's part of the reason why I haven't toured very much this year, um, because gas is just out of control. And venues, I, I understand that a lot of venues can't afford to pay bands what they're asking because gas is just too much. So, you know, the bands would sooner sit in the side of the road than go to the show because I, I get it. You know, it's, it's hard to be a business owner. So if you're a venue, a small venue like a bar and grill or a, or, or a, a micro brew or some anybody that, that hosts live music, you have a thin dime as it is. So when the musicians are coming asking for more money because gas is bad, I get that sometimes these venues just can't afford to pay it. I've been on the wrong end of that already where I've told them my price and they're like, yeah, we, we can't swing that. I get it. I understand. It's just tough right now. And I, I think I benefited a lot from coming into the game right when Trump got elected and gas was low and business was booming and the economy was really rolling. I, I always say this, when I first started out playing, I saw more restaurants and brew pubs and stuff opening up then than ever in my life. I mean, it was so fast. New brewery over here, new brewery over here. My bass player texting me constantly, ooh, here's another new place, contact them, see if they wanna do live music and have us play. And you know, half the time, we would wind up booking a gig with a new place like that. And now, you don't see any new places opening up. That's crazy. So, like, if someone was starting out, like, right now, you you would think it would be pretty difficult to get your foot in the door? Yeah. <laughs> I would not want to be just starting out and establishing myself now. That's for sure. But there, there's also advantages to now also. You know, like like, TikTok was not really a thing in 2017 when I started doing this. It wasn't as popular. There are ways, like, if you know how to use TikTok right, you can blow up pretty quickly. But when it's time to take the show on the road, good luck finding a venue that's going to be able to afford you. I speak of TikTok, one of the biggest songs on there is uh, is that remix of George Strait's song. You probably heard it, if you, even if you're on TikTok. <laughs> it's probably one of the worst songs I've ever heard, but it also 
also is care like it's like putting people on to people like George Strait. So I mean, I can't I can't hate it too much, but it it is it is kind of cringy after a while. But it's like one of the biggest songs on there right now. I saw it was um, my wife sent me a TikTok and it was using that song, and I, I had heard her you know because she scrolls TikTok a lot, and I heard that and I was like. Did somebody remix George Strait? She's like, what? Are, she's not really a country fan. She's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, that's a George Strait song. And she played it back for me again. And it was, I was like, yep, Strait. He's he's going to be the next like vintage old artist to get a glow up, just like you know Metallica and Kate Bush and stuff. Yeah, and I'm um, <laughs> I'm according to the artist. I think his name is Dave Morris or something. It, that. That voice is not even George Strait. That one of the writers of the that song came in and did his vocals for that part. So it was it because when I first heard it, I thought it was I thought it was like George Strait, and they just they just high pitched his voice. But yeah, sampling. I, I I like what it's doing for George. Not that he needs the money or the extra fame, because I mean he's got everything a guy could ever want. But the sampling thing, it's killing creativity in music because people are just taking other people's work. But at the same time, it is, you know, it's helping older artists that haven't been relevant for years. It's helping them blow up again. I don't know. But yeah, my wife sent me a TikTok with that audio and it was a woman sneezing. It says when my husband leaves for work. And I she saw that. <laughs> and she crossed her legs because she's leaking, you know, stuff. And, <laughs> carrying your love with me and i said back to my wife i was like as funny as that is i don't think that's how george wanted his song to no. be i don't <laughs> think he ever could have dreamt up that his song would be used for that context yeah and it's it's everywhere on there man it's like everybody on there is doing that trend it's it's horrible first weekend in december
thoughts on trump being rated i watched um i don't want to say which which pundit but i watched somebody's reaction to it and they were very ticked off and it got me pretty fired up love or hate trump you have to understand the implications that this has when the roe v wade decision got leaked as somebody who studied the Supreme Court in college, and my favorite course was on civil rights and liberties, and we studied landmark Supreme Court cases, I understood that the integrity of the court was demolished because of that leak. Whether it was somebody from the right or the left, I don't care who it was, them leaking that decision was a shitbag move. Same deal with this FBI raid. They are now setting a precedent that whoever our next president is, a Democrat or a Republican, they have full reign to weaponize the Department of Justice the way that Biden just did. And they're saying, oh, the White House had no knowledge of this. And on another side, I saw a tweet saying that, you know, according to sources in the White House, there was cheering in the West Wing when that raid happened. So by the White House saying that they had no knowledge of it, they're either lying to us or they have no idea what's going on within their own Department of Justice. And that's pretty pathetic. So either way, that yeah. doesn't look good for them. But as, as far as this raid goes, you have a sitting president using his own FBI against what is pretty undisputedly his best polling potential successor his top political rival using the FBI against him. It is such a bad look. Um, are there a, are there possible situations or outcomes where this was warranted and, and we can go, Oh, you know what? Yeah, they did the right thing. Sure. But there better be a damn good reason and rock solid evidence as to why they pulled off this raid. If there's not, then we're a banana Republic and, our, our, our representative democracy is lost. 
Yeah, I mean, they were going after things that didn't make sense, like like um, Lania's clothes and like like crap like that. Like they went to um, into his safe, but I mean, it doesn't really make sense to me. Whenever, especially when you have people like Hunter Biden or Hillary Clinton or the Epstein thing that went kind of under the rug. Yeah, I mean. You look at Watergate, which is widely considered to be one of the biggest political scandals of all time. It was a sitting president that sort of knew about and was complacent in operatives from his party invading the DNC. Here you have a president whose FBI, a governmental agency, is invading the home and headquarters of the head of the Republican Party, the private home, not even the RNC headquarters, the private home of a former president that could run for another term. It's worse than Watergate, in my opinion. It's just, it's so, so, just the ethics of it are so, so bad. If you look at it from the flip side, if, if it was, if this was Trump in 2019 and he ordered an FBI raid on Joe Biden's home, even if he had probable cause, even if it was something related to Hunter, it would be all over the news they would be calling for his impeachment. They probably would have successfully impeached him and and maybe even expelled him from the White House or he would have been forced to resign if he would have done something like this. But it's that it's that left-wing double standard. Oh, yeah, he, he, he stole something or he had files that he shouldn't have had. What are they? Th- th- there's talk of them unsealing the, um, the warrant, and I hope that they do because I want to see for myself whether or not this raid was was actually warranted or not? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's bad whenever you people uh, like um, uh, Andrew Cuomo and uh, who else was calling this out on the left? Andrew Cuomo and somebody else was saying, "Man, this is this was bad." I mean, Cuomo's got his own reasons for opening his mouth. I mean, he didn't open his mouth because he's afraid that the January sixth thing is going to be discredited because he's opening his mouth because it's basically him saying, "Please don't raid me." <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah, and then so, there was that guy from Pennsylvania that had his phone taken away. Yeah. I mean, that is I, that is ridiculous, dude. Well, it's just, you know, they're, they're moving hard and fast, you know. One day it's President Trump. Next day it's a representative from Congress. Tomorrow it could be you or me. Um, they're, they're, they are fully weaponizing the FBI. It, it's becoming, if we don't do something soon... They're going to turn into the Gestapo. They will be the new SS going door to door. Are you harboring semi-automatic weapons? Well, I mean, like that video from, I think it was Delaware. Like that video from Delaware a couple months ago. Did you see that? No. Where the FBI, it was, um, it was a, the, it was a local police officer and FBI agents went up to the this guy's door in Delaware or maybe Rhode Island or somewhere. And uh, ask if he what kind of weapons he has. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll have to send you the video of it. It's like maybe yeah. six months old or something. Came out like earlier this year, but I mean that's, well, I mean, that's not, pretty scary. Have even been a video? It would have been a very quick conversation. What kind of weapons do you have? None of your fucking. Have a nice day. Yeah. Slam door in the. Face. It would have. There would have been no video. <laughs> Well, man, um, I I appreciate this conversation. I definitely want to have you on again. And um, if there's anything else you want to talk about before we uh, end the conversation, or 
Yeah, just, um, I mean, the main thing I wanted to talk about was the IRS thing. And I just want to say, you know, independent musicians, you got to smarten up and and get uh, get creative with how you're going to make your money. Because, I mean, the IRS, whether you're on the left or right side of the aisle, you know, they're coming for you and they're coming for their money. Um, The federal government wouldn't invest, you know, 80 billion dollars or whatever into this if they didn't think there was going to be ROI, you know. So they're they're they know that there's going to be a return on an investment and make sure that you're keeping a tab on your write offs now. (laughs) There's a little trick that I like to use, like if a venue like let's say we charge for all intents and purposes, let's say we charge a thousand dollars for a gig and the venue wants to give us a tax form. What we will do is say, can you write a check to me for five hundred dollars and a check to my bass player for five hundred dollars? And we'll do that because that saves us from having to report it. And then, you oh, that's know, smart. he'll write, you know, half of the $500 check to the one member who didn't get a check and I'll write half of my check to the other guy. And that, that way everybody still makes their money, but you avoid the paper trail that way. And when I was in, you know, bar bands that we only made $600 a night, sometimes they would bring us a tax form and we'd say, no, we don't need that. And we give them a dollar back and we avoided it. <laughs> Like I, I mean, think it happens. I mean, if it, it works, like it works. What's that? If it works, yeah. it works. Yeah. I mean, we, we were at a venue one time. It was like November, and they brought us a form. And I turned to the guys and I said, we're, "We're not playing here at all next month, right?" Yeah. Okay. We don't need this form here. Take a dollar back. You just paid us five ninety nine, not six hundred. <laughs> yeah. Like I saw those memes. Uh, it, um, it was like whenever you get uh, a six hundred and one dollars on Venmo, like uh, here's two dollars back. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, you know, you just you got to be smart about it. And, and I hope that um, this IRS thing, I, I hope that the independent musicians that I look up to out there, I hope that they're being smart. And I hope that, you know, anybody that's new and coming on is smart about things. And, and I hope that it doesn't keep them off the road. But all I'm saying is if if more of your touring acts are getting harder and harder to see because they're touring less, this IRS thing might partially be why along with the economy and gas prices i just hope that whether it takes an election to change it or not i hope that things turn around soon and that's that's my goal right now is to try to not get in my head about how crappy things are going things might get with inflation and everything and we need to just get on the road and play shows and i need to put this uh this negative mentality out of my mind right now. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine being an um, independent musician and having to deal with, like, $6 gas in some places. How much is gas there? Like, 5 or something? We're at, like, 440 the last I looked, or 439 It, it never got above 499 in places around where I live. I think everybody was too afraid to put the 5 up. <laughs> $5. I mean... Seriously, like when it was, I think I remember like in the spring, the first time it hit four something, I'm filling up and I was just so pissed. I'm staring at the, the screen and it's ticking up and up and up. And I finally yelled out, did anybody else vote for this? No, because <laughs> if you did come put 20 bucks in my tank, you owe me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it's just, it's gotten so crazy. And, and nobody said a word, of course. Uh, there were a couple of people that, like, the guy next to me was laughing. He's like, I sure shit didn't vote for this. You know, <laughs> I, I, I like to, 
makes things awkward sometimes in public. Sometimes I make friends that way. <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't get anymore. It's still bad. I just think it's funny that they're patting themselves on the back for bringing the price down 30 or 60 cents or whatever. And it's like, yeah. dude, you, you doubled the price. You can't pat yourself on the back for yeah. that. And then Biden came out today and said uh, they're, the um, inflation rate rate in in a July was 0%. No. Yeah, that's what he came out and said. There's a video of him saying that. I was like, are these people not fact-checking what he said? Like, at least... At least put the right information on the teleprompter, you know? Yeah, of, of course they're not fact-checking, though. No, they're, they're he's a puppet just reading what's on the teleprompter, and the people typing the stuff on the teleprompter are just gaslighting us. They know yeah. that they're booked come November, as long as they don't find another way to, to fix an election. Um, they know their goose is cooked, and they're just they're desperate at this point, and they're going to gaslight you any way they can, I think. Yeah, it's a shame, man. Well, I mean, I appreciate your time. I know it's late over there where you're at. And uh, tell everybody again where they can find your stuff and your music and all your shows. Yeah, yeah. So you can go to CodyTylerMusic.com and find links to everything. Or you can go to Facebook or Instagram. It's at CodyTylerMusic on both of those platforms. Um, I think we're going to work on getting a TikTok here soon enough. But yeah. You need to, Cody man. <laughs> CodyTylerMusic.com and we've got uh, the CDs for sale, Stay Your Demons Down. It's also available on all the streaming platforms. And we also have vinyl available for pre-order, but because of Adele and Taylor Swift putting out double albums last year, the production line is way backed up. The vinyl's not coming until April, but if you pre-order, you will get all kinds of exclusive content that we're going to be sending out, like pictures and videos and rehearsals and stuff and, and the making of the album. Um, as a thank you for your patience with us with the vinyl. So, one last question: What's your favorite favorite song on this on this album? That's a tough one. Um, I would have to say it's probably "Fate I Can't Run." That was the first single that we put out, and uh, it's the one song where I'm not the one playing the guitar solo, but I, I love the guitar solo that the our engineer and producer put in there. It's definitely very well produced, man. Um, thank you for your time, and I appreciate it, man. Yes, thank you. We'll look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, you too. That is seen 
that it sings Sick of going nowhere Like two frogs turning cream And it's so hard spinning tires When you come apart at the scene The only six figures that I know Is the mileage on my truck In spite of all the work put in My tires still spin slow And no, I ain't that outlaw That y'all able me to be Cause I work and pay my rent You know no man is truly free Try to live the blessed life I couldn't find Songs roll.